We are on week four of a seven-week series called I Am, where we're looking at the I Am sayings of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And so far, we've looked at Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the gate. He said, I am the bread of life. And today, we're going to look at Jesus, the Good Shepherd. So I want to get straight into the Word of God. If you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10, if you didn't get teaching notes as you came in, and then if you put your hand up, then one of the stewards will bring those to you, and you can follow with us as we go. So we're going to go to John chapter 10, and we're going to read from verse 11. If you remember, Angie has already spoken on the first part of this chapter when she talked about Jesus, I am the gate. John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when the wolf comes, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes? of the blind. I want to talk to you today about the good shepherd and his sheep. But first of all, I want to tell you a story. You see, one day, Jesus and the disciples were walking down the street, and they see on the side of the road a blind man, a beggar, a man who actually had been blind from birth. And the disciples turn to Jesus, and they say to Jesus, Jesus, who was it that sinned? that caused this man to be born blind. You see, in those days in the Jewish culture, there was a belief that if there was some great calamity or some great sickness, the reason was because of some great sin. And so the disciples were asking Jesus, who was it that sinned in this case that caused the blindness? Was it the man himself or was it his parents? And Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, guys, you've got this all wrong. You're looking for someone to blame. He said, what you need to be doing is looking to see what God can do in the life of this man. And Jesus bends down and he spits on the ground and makes a paste with the sand. And he takes that paste and he rubs it on the blind man's eyes. And he says to the man, go and wash in the sea of Siloam. So the man goes off and he washes his eyes in the Sea of Siloam, and the Bible says that he returned home seeing. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. 
I mean, here was a man that had been blind from birth. And this was an ordinary day. He was forced to beg because of his blindness. That was the only way he could earn a living. And just an ordinary day, he's by the side of the road begging. And suddenly Jesus shows up, anoints his eyes with some mud, tells him to go and wash in the river. And what, now he can see? I just want to pause there for a moment because you know what? I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we can just skip over the miracle. We have to actually enter into the passage. And you know, when I, when I see this moment in the passage, I don't know about you, but I mean, how must it have felt for that man? to have lived in a world of total darkness with voices around him and people around him and, and yet he was shut out, he was excluded in so many ways and yet he had received his sight. And I don't know about you, but I love musicals, okay? I just think that musicals, somehow they're able to capture a moment like nothing else. They're able to capture the joy, the celebration of a certain moment. And you know, I think this moment would have made a great scene in a musical, don't you think? I mean, I can just imagine the tension building as the guy's making his way to the river and you're wondering what's going to happen. And he gets to the river and the music, the tension's mounting and he begins to wash the mud off his eyes. And you see him begin to open his eyes and he's like, I, I, I can see, I, I can see, I can see, I can see. And you know, like all good musicals, there's always a theme song, isn't there, that goes with it. And I think that theme song would have gone something like this. <laughs> I can see clearly now the rain has gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. <laughs> gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. <laughs> you know, the story, the story goes on. And it says that the guy comes into the village and the villagers come out and the neighbors come out. And they're like, aren't you the man that used to be begging by the side of the road? The man that we know is the blind beggar? And he's like, yeah. It's me. I can see. Can you believe it? I can see. They're like, how has this happened? And they, I think they would join in the chorus. They're like, he can see clearly now. The rain has gone. Yeah? <laughs> you know, there would have been this throng of excitement and this whole buzz around it. And they're like, how did this happen? He's like, I don't know. This man, Jesus, came and he tells the story. And they're like, we need to understand this. We need to know what's going on. And so they say, right, let, let's go to the synagogue because the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they're going to know what's happened. They're going to be able to explain this amazing miracle. And so off their head, this great throng, and the, you can just imagine the singing and the dancing, this great procession as they make their way to the synagogue. And they arrive at the synagogue, and suddenly the atmosphere changes like that. Because you see, the Pharisees didn't care that a member of their community who had been blind from birth had now received his sight. The Pharisees didn't care that a man who, because of his blindness, had been forced to beg in order to survive, now has a new future in front of him. No. The Pharisees 
did not care less about that man. They were looking for someone to blame. They wanted to know who was responsible for this miracle. Because you see, in their law, it was unlawful to heal on the Sabbath day. And this very day when that miracle took place, when that man received his sight, was the Sabbath. And the Pharisees wanted to know who was responsible, who was to blame. You see, this story takes place in John chapter 9. The chapter before, the chapter that we've just read where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And you know, we don't know whether the, the two incidences took place side by side, back to back. But what we do know is that, that John, the writer of this gospel, has put them together for a reason. You see, here is Jesus declaring himself as the good shepherd. You see, the primary purpose of a shepherd was to take care of the sheep. And here were the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the leaders of the day, the shepherds of the day. And they cared more about policing the sheep than taking care of the sheep. They were more concerned about observing the law than taking care of the sheep. But you see, sadly, this was nothing new. Because all through history, God had always wanted to shepherd his people. He'd always wanted to be the shepherd. But actually, and he'd raised up leaders and and he said to them, listen, you need to lead the people with integrity, with injustice, you need, with justice. You need to be like me. And some of them were amazing leaders and they, and they led as God had instructed them. But sadly, countless others were more interested in feathering their own nests than actually taking care of the people. They exploited the sheep. They neglected the sheep. And so God gets to the point where he's like, enough. I have had enough of this. I have had enough of these shepherds that are not taking care of my sheep. And so he sends the prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And he says, go to the shepherds and say this to them. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel. Shouldn't shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. So my sheep were scattered and no one searched or looked for them. So God says, listen up, shepherds of Israel. I've got a message for you. You're fired. He says, I myself, God himself, I myself will search for my sheep. I myself will tend my sheep. I will have them lie down. I will search for the lost. I will bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice. You see, John chapter 10 is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus is saying, that shepherd, you know, when God said, I myself will come down, he, Jesus says, I am. I am that shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I bet you could have heard a pin drop that day. 
as the reality of Jesus' words reverberated around that place and the truth began to sink in. Jesus is the good shepherd and he is unlike any other shepherd you have ever known. And in John chapter 10, Jesus begins to teach him, teach the crowds about the good shepherd and what does that mean? How does the good shepherd relate to his people? So I just want to look now at three hallmarks of the good shepherd. Three hallmarks of the way that the good shepherd relates to his sheep. And I want to just use some illustrations from John chapter 9 and, and, and John chapter 10 to show this. The first hallmark of the good shepherd is unrestricted access. Unrestricted access. In John 10, chapter 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says here, you know what? The good shepherd does not let anything come between him and his sheep. And he compares himself to the hired hand. He says, you know, the hired hand is basically someone that's just paid to do a job. And so at the first sign of trouble, that hired hand is going to run off and he's going to just leave the the sheep vulnerable. He's going to abandon them and they're going to be attacked and open to prey. But Jesus, the good shepherd, says, I don't let anything come between me and my sheep. You know, the primary role of the shepherd was to be with the sheep. It was to walk amongst the sheep day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. They were meant to be there whether the sheep were scattered on the fields or whether they were gathered. The role of the shepherd was to be with the sheep. And Jesus comes to earth and where is he found? He's found among the sheep. He's found with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees. He's found with the, with the lepers. He's found with, with the lame. He's found with tax collectors, with those on the outskirts of society that no one would even look at or speak to. You see... Sickness or limitation or social standing or spiritual condition was no restriction to Jesus. That's why in that story that I told you, when the disciples say, who sinned? Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. Because when I look at that man, I don't see a sinner. I don't even see someone that's sick. Actually, what I see is my sheep. And let me tell you, when I see my sheep, nothing is going to get in the way of me, of me and my sheep. Nothing is going to get in the way of me reaching out to my sheep. And let me tell you this morning, friends, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, right now I feel far away from God. You feel like you're, you're on the furthest field. I want to tell you this morning, there is no place that Jesus will not go in order to reach down and to pull you back. There is no situation that you can find yourself in that Jesus will not step into and say, come with me, you're my sheep. He will let nothing get in between him and his sheep. You see, the Pharisees separated themselves. They didn't want to associate with certain people in society. And they made it difficult. You see, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were supposed to connect the people to God. And yet they put a restriction in the way. Not only that, but they they were so focused on the law that they even added their own laws and their own rituals to the law that already existed. So they put even more and more hurdles in the way and made it difficult to people, difficult for people to get near to God. 
But you see, the Pharisees forgot one thing. They were so focused on the law, on the law of Moses. And you know, the law of Moses is valid. God spoke to Moses. He gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And that, that's valid. But you see, the Pharisees had forgotten that the very foundation of those Ten Commandments was this. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from Egypt, from the land of your slavery. You see, the Ten Commandments begin with those very words. I am the Lord your God who rescued you. You see, we all need a savior. We all need rescuing. The law was not given in order to make us right. The law was given to show us how to live before God. You see, God stepped in and rescued the people, the Israelites from slavery. He actually stepped in and intervened. The God of heaven came down and he rescued his people. And here is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the one who rescues the sheep. I find the lost. I look for the strays. I don't let anything get in between my sheep. You know, Paul in, the, in Romans, he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, nothing can separate the shepherd from his sheep. And yet I know as a pastor, one of the things that people struggle with so much in their walk with God is maintaining that unrestricted access to God and really living in the presence of God. Because you know why? Because we think God is also looking for someone to blame. And so we don't want to go into the presence of God. We feel restricted because we look at our failures, we look at our sins, we feel guilt, we feel shame. And those things put a barrier between us and God. But friends, I want to tell you this morning that when Jesus died, he made a way so that even when we sin, we can come into the presence of God and we can receive forgiveness and we can receive strength and we can receive healing. There is nothing that can separate you from the, from the love of God, from the presence of the shepherd. And you know, that's why the Bible tells us we have to come boldly. We come boldly into the presence of God. We come boldly into the presence of the shepherd. Do you know what it means to be bold? It means that you act different to what would normally be accepted. You're like, hey, you know what? In a normal scenario, I might behave in this certain way. But actually, there's a boldness that I have. And I'm, I've got courage now. I'm going to do something that I wouldn't normally do. And friends, that's what we have to do when we come into the presence of God. When we feel the guilt and the shame, we've got to be bold. Because let me tell you this. The feelings of guilt and shame, if you're waiting for them to go before you go into the presence of God, it's never going to happen. Okay? You know what you have to do? You have to take hold of that guilt and that shame, and you've got to get some boldness on you. You've got to say, Nothing is going to keep my. I have a good shepherd, and he says, Nothing's going to separate me from him. So I'm going to take that sin, and I'm going to take that shame, and I'm going to say, You know what? I am full of sin and shame right now, but I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to step into the presence of my Savior. We've got to get some boldness about us because you know what, church? This is about growing up. I believe that the, one of the hallmarks of a mature Christian is that they have learned how to deal with guilt and shame. You know why? Because when we learn how to deal with guilt and shame, we can get into the presence of God quicker. And actually, that's where we grow. Because we become like those we behold. We behold him and we become like him. 
We are strengthened in his presence. Church, I want to tell you, as a pastor, I struggled for years with guilt and condemnation. I mean, I just felt like shame clinged to me. But I want to tell you there's a freedom in God that you can experience. And I praise God, I'm free. It doesn't mean that I don't ever feel attacked because you know what? In this passage, Jesus talks about a wolf. He says there's a wolf that comes to scatter the flock. And you know that we have an enemy. His name is Satan. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And actually, the Bible calls him an accuser. And he wants to accuse you. He wants his, his goal is to scatter you. His goal is to isolate you. But I want to tell you this. He's got a big mouth, but he's got no authority. You have authority as God's child. And you've got to get that boldness on you. And you've got to step into the presence of God. And you've got to begin to forge a new path. And you say, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I am loved by the God of heaven. And I am going to get into his presence where I can receive mercy, where I can receive grace, where I can receive forgiveness. We need to grow up in our faith. We've got to learn to deal with guilt and with shame. The second hallmark of the good shepherd is undivided attention. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I mean, isn't that amazing? Jesus is saying that he wants to know us in the same way as he knows the Father, the same intimacy, the same level of connection. That's the kind of relationship that the shepherd wants with us. You know, sheep are really vulnerable creatures. You have to really keep an eye on them. You have to really keep an eye on them. And I heard a story where actually there's a certain bug that um, if you don't check the, the coat of a sheep, there's a certain bug that can get under the fur. And actually, if you don't check, they can be dead in three days. You know, we have a shepherd who gives us undivided attention. And I just want to zoom in. I just This is my husband, John, in case you're wondering who's just come on stage. So... <laughs> Can I just ask you to come around this way and to sit down and to face me? It's great, isn't it? I can order him around. <laughs> I'm going to make the most of this. <laughs> um, I just want to just, guys on the camera, if you can just zoom in on this, because I, I want to just zoom in on this moment where Jesus speaks to the blind beggar. Because you see, it's a really short, in the passage, it just says that Jesus, you know, put some mud on his eyes and so on. But actually, I just want to look at this. And how the good shepherd gives us undivided attention. Because you see, Jesus would have had to have knelt down. You know, a man that was begging would have been sat by the side of the road. And so Jesus would have had to have stopped. I'm sure him and his disciples were going on their way somewhere. But he allowed himself to be interrupted. You see, I just think we are so distracted these days. We have so many mobile devices and things. And... And you know, but we're so distracted. There was something in the news saying that, you know, about a quarter of people have trouble sleeping at night because they just can't shut off their minds. And you know, when you're distracted, there's a superficiality that comes because you just can't be in the moment. But the good shepherd allowed his day to be interrupted and he kneels down on the ground and he turns 
to the blind man. And, you know, there must have been some kind of conversation because he wouldn't just have touched the blind man's eyes. It would have been unnerving for someone who's blind. If you, do, you don't just start touching someone who's blind, you have to introduce yourself, let them know what you're doing and just make sure that they're okay with that. And so here's Jesus, he kneels down and it says that he spat on the ground. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit weird, isn't it? But it made me think about, you know when you're a kid and your parents spit on the hanky and they're like rubbing sleep out of your eyes and so on. Just, I just, I think it's about intimacy. He's wanted to communicate intimacy. And so Jesus, I think he would have said, hi, my name is Jesus. And um, is it okay if I, if I touch you? You know, maybe he would have introduced himself, just maybe talked for a little bit. Maybe asked him how I was doing and said to him, I'd really like to heal you. How would you feel about that? He spits on the ground and he makes a, a paste. I think maybe it was the first face pack. Um, and... Uh, he rubs it on his eyes. He touches the man. He touches his eyes. That's a really intimate act. Touch is such an intimate thing, isn't it? And he says to him, go and wash in the sea of Siloam and you'll be healed. You see, this blind beggar, just he spent his life sat by the side of the road listening to conversation, people's conversations as they went past. I mean... A good day for him probably would have been if someone threw a coin in his hat. But I wonder how many people actually stooped down, looked him in the eye, touched him and said, I want, I want to know you. But we have a good shepherd that gives us, thank you, we have a good shepherd that gives us undivided attention. You see, the good shepherd wants to bless you. Do you know the word blessing comes from the Latin benedicere, which means to say good things, to speak good words over you? When was the last time that you turned off the Facebook and you turned off your mobile and you shut the laptop and you just turned off the TV and, and you got in a room just by yourself and you just sat in the presence of God and you allowed him to bless you? to speak good words over you, to remind you that you're his precious child. Friends, the need for affirmation is a human need. It is inbuilt in us. We need to be affirmed. We need to be affirmed for who we are. For who we are. We need to know that we are loved. We need to know that we are valued. And I want to say, if we don't get that from God, then we will look for it in other ways. We'll look for that affirmation from other shepherds, maybe the shepherd of financial security, maybe the shepherd of success, maybe the shepherd of romantic relationships. But those shepherds will never feed us. Those shepherds will never fulfill us. Those shepherds can never sustain us because the only one that can sustain us is the good shepherd. And his name is Jesus. He gives us undivided attention. Jesus had time for people. He was never too busy. Sometimes the crowds tried to push people away and tell, them, tell people that Jesus was too busy. Sometimes the disciples even said, oh, be quiet. But Jesus always made time for people. He gave them undivided attention. And the third hallmark is this. Can the band come up? 
unreserved affection. Jesus says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. The good shepherd is unreserved in his affection for us. He says, do you know what? I'm going to lay it all on the line. I, I'm not going to hold anything back. If you, if you need convincing that I love you, he says, then I, let me show you this, that I am willing to die for you. And he did. He went and he died on the cross for our sin and for our shame so that we could always be with him. He says, I'm going to make the first move here. I'm going to hold nothing back. And you know, I was speaking with Chris, one of our pastors, and he actually owns sheep. And he said to me, you know, Jesus is, we, the Bible says that Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And, and Chris was telling me that, you know, he said it's amazing when a lamb is slaughtered. He says that it will not even make a sound. It doesn't scream. It doesn't cry. He said it doesn't even move. He said it just stays still and allows you to cut it through its throat and then it bleeds to death. And I just thought, wow, what a picture of submission. What a picture of our savior who was willing to face such a cruel death, such a, a, a unspeakable torture for you. And for me, He has held nothing back. He has already paid the price. He, he is unreserved in his affection. You know, the main role of the, the shepherd was to take care of the sheep. But the second role was to move them on from one place to another. You see, the Pharisees had got stuck at Moses. They didn't realize God has moved on. God is doing a new thing. He's establishing a new kingdom. The Pharisees had got stuck. But Jesus leads us on. He says, follow me. Come follow me. You see, success in life is not about being in the most luscious, amazing field. You know, the David in the Psalm, Psalm 23, when he talks about the good shepherd, he says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Success in life is not about being in the best field. Success in life is about proximity to the shepherd. The shepherd who gives us unrestricted access to his presence, who gives us undivided attention, who blesses us, and who gives us his unreserved affection and says, hey, I don't want to just do a one-off good deed in your life. I just don't want to just heal you. I don't want to just bless you. I want you to come in and be part of this family. I want you to come in and be part of this fold. You know, the blind man got kicked out of the synagogue. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe that he'd been healed. And they, they were angry that he would actually 
you know, allow Jesus to, to heal him. He was excluded from the synagogue. But Jesus goes back and he finds the man. The shepherd goes back and he finds the sheep. Jesus held nothing back so that we could follow him and be with him. And Jesus is always going to be your shepherd. The question is, will you be his sheep? Let's stand as we sing this last song.